We are very excited because we have a guest here, Alona. I think a lot of people are going to hate me for that, but I'm going to say I think AI is more authentic than most people's work. First of all, how did you hear about AI? Like, how did you start? I was kind of afraid learning more about AI because I also had this like perception that, oh, AI is going to take our jobs. Curious to know how your journey on that prompt engineering, they say, mm-hmm. was your first image to your 100th image. So I would I would like to ignore my first 100 prompts because they were just so abstract and I was just playing around, nothing architecture related. It was just like... Oh wow, this is the tool, this is so cool. You have kept your expertise in high-rise architecture, but obviously you've shifted your tool to something that is very creative. Now you are communicating the tool via your language. What do you think you have as a designer that is making you very special? What makes me confident in my work is that no matter what I generate in AI, I can do a real project from that. I wonder how the educational system will have to adapt and change so that they can tailor to the AI. A lot of people are still afraid of any AI stuff because it's so uncertain to them. But I don't think it's going to take that long. I've heard that some universities have started to ban the use of AI. You will see all the tools that you use as an architect, as a designer, they will have AI integrated into it as well. What do you think is going to happen in the next 10 years, Alona? I think in the next 10 years, Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of AI Hub podcast. We are very excited because we have a guest here, our first guest, Alona, uh, and we are very excited to talk about so many things with Alona, who is our first guest, and obviously we have so many questions. But hi Mo, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. I think, yeah, this week has seemed to be a little bit better weather in London. I don't know, but it's still raining. So yeah, not the best. But yeah, I'm doing well. Yeah. Not bad. Nice, nice. So I want to I wanna introduce Alona, but I want to ask her to introduce her first because I think he's, she's going to do a better job than me. But uh, hello, Alona. How are you? Where are you joining us from? Uh, hi, Amir and Mo. Um, I'm in Toronto. I'm based, based in Toronto and I live here. Uh, I'm an architectural designer. Uh, my area of uh, expertise is high-rise residential, mid-rise and high-rise residential. But I've been playing with AI for the last uh, few months and I find it very exciting. So thank you guys for having me and um, I'm really excited to talk about it. Thanks for coming. I think I've seen your work from, yeah, as you said, I think for the last three, four months, I've been following you and I've seen the amazing work that you're doing. Uh, Very different, obviously, to what I do, uh, but like a very interesting sort of uh, style of work, which is I can see the kind of your expertise in mid-rise, high-rise sort of architecture. And it's, it's just... Uh, so refreshing to see like another, another sort of artist taking another approach to to design using AI. And I wonder how that has been helping you with your own work as well. First of all, how did you hear about AI? Like, how did you start? Uh, I have so many questions, but like, how, how did you start? Where did you hear about it? And what made you to actually look into it and start playing with it? Um. Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, there is not 
a story about it. It was just me on my Instagram exploring, I don't know, different architecture styles and stuff. But then I saw multiple images of these beautiful AI-generated designs. And I was like, oh, wow, that's something new and interesting. And I keep seeing them all over the feed that I have on my Instagram. So I'm like, okay, let's dig into that. Let's learn more about it. And I I was surprised. I was kind of late to the party, if I can say so. There was a lot of information already online on YouTube, bunch of tutorials. Um, I also have a subscription for Medium and they have oh, lots yeah? of guides in there. I was like, okay, so I guess I'm I guess I'm a little bit late, but as I see now, it's still in early stages. So it all started with me basically following tutorials, following all of the stuff online, learning about it. And I kind of like the results I was getting. And I decided to share on the Instagram. I didn't know where it's going to take me. It was just pure artistic experiment for me. It still is. I'm still experimenting. I'm not using it as a, like as my full-time job. It's still like something I do on the side. But uh, it's very it's very different from what I expected it to be. I don't know if it was just me, but I was kind of afraid um, learning more about AI because I also had this like perception that oh AI is going to take our jobs. What, what's going to mm-hmm. happen? But I completely changed my mind once I started using that. I feel like it has its limitations and it's scary until you try it. It's impressive, like my first probably like 100 prompts were like, I was like blown away. It was just amazing results. I was like so little effort, but amazing results. But then I was like, okay, let's let's challenge myself. Let's do something that kind of like uh, resonates with my style and my personal style. So it became more challenging once I made like a goal to make it into like kind of like my style, experimenting with that versus just like just exploring. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a very quick introduction about how I started and what I'm doing right now. Amazing. I think one thing that I like to ask was that how much of your design process sort of changed or stayed the same uh, because you sort of you have kept your sort of expertise in sort of high rise, mid rise sort of architecture. Um, but obviously you've, you've shifted your tool to something that is very creative, something that is very different to the tools that you were used to before, uh, because now you are communicating via tool via your language, via speaking to the software and communicating it, your ideas to the software. Uh, and that, I guess, is like a huge shift from um, from your previous workflow, which was previously probably um, you know using three D softwares, CAD, and so on. How how much of your process sort of changed or stayed the same? Uh, and also, how much of your work is uh, designed according to a brief or do you make a brief while you are actually generating your images or designing your project, or actually you have a brief beforehand that you started, uh, you start with, and then you kind of work towards 
using AI. Uh, because me and Mo, when I when we were discussing like different workflows before, uh, it I was explaining to Mo that you know it's very sometimes very difficult if you have some some sort of preset brief, and you kind of want to design according to that brief uh, using AI because you don't know what you, you have to. Uh, take control over the algorithm, which is very creative, and that's a very difficult job. Uh, but I guess, I don't know if you've realized or not, uh, but I guess now I'm realizing that within our process of designing with AI, even though we might have a brief beforehand, we kind of realize in the middle of designing that, you know, maybe this approach might be better. So we kind of <laughs> tweak the approach while we're designing because we we see something more interesting. But I want to hear your opinion on this. So personally, I like having some kind of brief or some kind of goal or project description that I'm working towards it. But I completely agree with you that once I start designing versus like the finished product, it's kind of different all the time. But um, I'm taking opportunity with my AI stuff and Instagram um to just explore and not being too strict about it when i have um i work on a few competitions so they were like more strict or had more limitations to it but i haven't had a chance to work on something in real life yet i, th I think it's a completely different workflow in that case because you have limitations in terms of like zoning height materials that you can use it's kind of crazy what AI can do right now. I'm loving that because the real life architecture is not as exciting as uh, the AI that we're producing. I'm hoping with more experience, uh, all of us, all of us in this community and kind of push the whole market into like a creative field because we can showcase our work. We can show, hey, we can design it. It's kind of beautiful. We can explore this different like design tools, design techniques, like parametric design, beautiful, complicated and expensive to build. I hope it's going to shift the paradigm in the whole industry. And uh, that's how I envision it. That's why I also started that. I'm like, I need something creative because my day to day job, I have a lot of uh, freedom in what I design, but I have tons of limitations. Maybe it's Toronto thing, or maybe it's everywhere else, but it's just something that uh, I needed personally. So my problem, I remember when I was back at school, is that uh, a lot of projects that we had, we had a brief, but or the project description, but it was very, very abstract. So it was interesting because back then, I remember it was the most challenging thing to me because I had no limitation, no box to work within. So I was like, you can do whatever, like just design it, something like that. So it was challenging to me back then. And once I started working right after school, I enjoyed every moment of it. I was like, oh, hey, we have limitations. We have like some strict rules that I have to follow and I have to use my imagination within that box, that box of like limitation and stuff. So AI, it's an interesting thing. I don't think um, we will use it in like high rise residential anytime soon to the degree that I wanted it to use, not yet. 
think it's going that way. And um, yeah, uh, I think also the, like the AI that I'm working with is like a diffusion models, right? So it's more like visual stuff, but there's so many uh, different startups working on like different kind of apps and platforms that can help architects and designers in different ways. It's not just visual part of it. So I feel like um, my industry specifically, it's going to start using those different stuff first before they do the visual component or maybe both at the same time, but visual, it's very abstract. Like you've been using a uh, stable diffusion Midjourney or Dali, right? It's very unpredictable what results are you going to get, which are challenging um, in real real life projects, right? That's quite quite interesting um, insights. Um, I'm quite interested. You talked about prompts, and uh, you, you did say like you tried your first hundred prompts and um, just playing around with uh, the different tools. Um, in one of the podcasts or conversations that Amir had, uh, he was talking about how people are using prompts and how detailed you need to write your prompts to truly get what you want. Um, curious to know how your journey on that prompting, prompt engineering, they say, uh, mm -hmm. was and uh, your first image to your hundredth image. Uh, how, how did that look like and how, how you feel about that? So I would I would like to ignore my first 100 prompts because they were just so abstract and I was just playing around, nothing architecture related. It was just like, oh, wow, this is the tool. This is so cool. Um, but what I would like to mention is more about the workflow that I use for AI. Like, as you mentioned, I have some kind of style. I hope I have like that. It was my goal. So thank you for noticing that. So what I like to do is let's say I have a project. So the first prompt that I do is very abstract and very little works. Would be like, the last post I have on Instagram would be like timber, parametric timber library building. That's it. Then I uh, I do that prompt a few times and I see the result that I like. Uh, maybe one image, maybe two, sometimes nothing. So I have to change the wording and stuff. But this is my first step usually, very abstract, very little words. Then I see the results and I get inspired. I'm like, okay, I see where it can go. And I kind of establish a style from that. I have a few words that I use that I feel like they're keeping the same um, style lighting because I think I have a theme on my Instagram, which I like to keep. So it all looks organic and consistent. Uh, I use a lot of image references in my prompts. But those image references I use are actually the images that were generated at those like first stages um, of majority prompts. The one I'm saying, the very vague, very like abstract. And then I'm adding details. Then I'm like, okay, I see this being in the middle of a certain city or details, how tall it is, details about facade materials, blah, blah, blah. So I am adding those details as a work more on my uh, on the prompts. But first prompts in any project that I use are very, very abstract. Just for me to get inspired also like, oh, what AI can envision when I just put those a few words. Also the update that Midjourney introduced like a month ago or two with the description, it helps a lot. Uh, I'm not gonna lie because I had my limited vocabulary that I was using. 
and I was stuck with that. But now I'm uploading any image and I'm and I can see how AI reads certain stuff, right? So it's interesting, like the board wouldn't thought of using it. I would use synonyms, but I guess for AI algorithm, it was trained a certain way. And I'm learning a lot till this day. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. It's a different wording, but I'm going to use it. And when I use those words or phrases that the description was given by majority, I get better results. That's, uh, that's an interesting also update that happened recently. That's very fascinating. You, I really like that you talked about style creation because that's something that I really kind of emphasize on, you know, the workshops that I also do because I see loads of, um, people just, uh, I mean, it's fine to play around and do different, you know, try different styles of things in the beginning and to get a sense of the, the software and everything. But I guess. As a designer, if you are an architect, if you're a fashion designer, any type of designer, um, you're very, I mean, you're very right at pointing at this, that, you know, style is very important. You cannot go from one style to another style um, and jump around the styles every single day because that's, that's going to make you look very inconsistent. And from a perspective of someone looking at your work, wanting to give you a work for example if you want to commission you for a project um and i look at your sort of portfolio and i see loads of different styles of work obviously you had i mean the, the person doing this i mean they had so much fun but it's very it makes my my kind of decision very difficult to to make because I don't know which one you're good at. You're doing like loads of things. You're doing parametric one day. You're doing some sort of minimalistic architecture the other day. And you're doing maximalistic the, the, the other day. And it's not consistent at all. And I guess that's a key um, for people who are uh, just, you know, getting started with AI to, to learn to, you know, try get in control of the algorithm to also make your consistent style and explore your style as well. And you point out to something um, uh, about the keywords that you use that, you know, you have some keywords that are sort of consistent within your prompts and you have some um, sort of initial abstract images that you insert in your prompt as image prompts, which is, I think, very interesting. I haven't seen anyone doing it, like uh, inserting their first abstract sort of work into the prompt. So I'd like to ask you more about that. How, what is the workflow on that? And, you know, if you're working on a project, do you first start with like a lower version of Midjourney to produce abstract stuff and then put your prompts uh, in maybe version five within uh, the kind of text bar also with your URL of the abstract images as, as an image prompt, or what is, what is this process for you? I'm, I'm not using previous versions for those abstract or precedent images. I'm using the most recent ones. I, I just feel like they're every new update is just amazing, fascinating. Uh, the only difference would be the complexity of the prompt that I'm using. Um, and Probably the materials. Sometimes I would say the model of all white or something like that, cluster white or something. So I'm looking more into the shape of stuff and like 
um, the sculpture of it versus like materiality and where it's located. It's just my workflow. It works for me and I kind of find it interesting. Also, like I'm thinking about me being back at school, we all build those white models made of different materials. Why everyone was asking why white? It's to see the shape, to see the shadow and the sound, how it plays together. So I think I'm kind of using the same logic, but for, for my prompts, I use multiple images in my prompts, in my final prompts. Usually one of those would be the style that I'm using, because I know if you notice, but um, majority can copy the lighting, the style of the image versus copying the form of it. And if I'm inserting my previous work, plus the new images, new precedents, it kind of creates an interesting, interesting results. That's how I make them all consistent because it kind of reads into the new form, the new sculpture thing. And also it reads the same um, language, the same uh, lighting set settings and stuff like that from the previous stuff done. So uh, I think it's two main things that I do to keep it consistent and um, to make it look all like I have I have this like kind of style in mind. Th that was my work around my journey. That's how I found it the best way to that works for me. Yeah, I think that completely makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think um, referencing some of your old works makes it makes your new work also similar to the style that you you're you're going to produce, and also. Yeah, referencing another sort of image as a reference kind of also lets the, the new prompt to be slightly, you know, um, nuanced to that sort of new prompt, uh, the image prompt that you've given to it. So that's very fascinating. Um, I have another philosophical question, rather philosophical, this one, um, which is about the currency of a designer or an architect uh, in the world of artificial intelligence. Uh, when it comes to designing as a as a designer or as a non-designer, there should be like a difference between you know someone who is a non-designer and trying to play around with AI, uh, or you who studied architecture. You're an architect. You're a designer. You know design inside out. Um, what is do you, what do you think is your currency as a designer, which makes you different? to whoever whoever else that just wants to play around with AI and just wants to produce beautiful, quote-unquote, beautiful images with AI. What do you think you have as a designer that is making you very special, considering that, you know, this whole new tool is very different and the assets that you're using, they're all very different. As a, as a designer, you're using keywords, for example, and you're using images as references and so on. But what is your what is your currency as a designer when you're sitting on the kind of seat of designer when you're designing with AI? What do you think about that? So I have two things to say about that. First is when I started using AI or playing with it, 
it was me and my other friends, not in architecture, not in design. All of us just jump into that, find different stuff. My first, like those 10, 15 prompts that were for free, right, on mid-journey, they were completely different from what my non-designer friends were doing. Like, I don't know if it comes with architecture school. I, I think it's a combination of experience and school and work that made my prompts different because I know what I want to see and maybe I have vocabulary for that. Maybe I'm more um, artistic than, than them because my friends were not in any design field. So I saw the difference right from the first one. But I guess from with the experience or if they were using that as much as me, we could get similar results. So the other thing that I want to say is what makes me confident in my work is that no matter what I generate in AI, I can spend some time and do a 3D model to that. I can do a real project from that. So I feel like it's just the tool for me to experiment. It saves a lot of time for me. But if I want to make it more detailed or if I want to make it real, I have all the skill set to do that. I know the 3D modeling. I know how to use it. I know the rendering softwares. I know how the building is function. So it's still valuable to be a designer, to have the education behind it. AI, all this diffusion model is just a nice tool to experiment with. But I feel like you need a background to back it up. Otherwise, it's just 2D images. It's just like, so do, it, it's my opinion on that. So do you think that architects and designers are not going to be out of job? I don't think so. Um, also, I wanted to point out, I don't think a lot of people talk about it, is I find architecture feel a little bit toxic in terms of like people always talk about architects or successful architects are those who only do design. But I want to point out, especially for younger people, that doing the design, pure design, is not for everyone. It's it's a different skill set. Not everyone has it. And I'm not sure you can learn it. Sometimes I feel like people just born with that and they can develop those skills further. There are different types of architects, different types of designers. Some people are really good with I don't know, building information modeling, stuff like that. They're more technical. Other people more visual. So they still like to design, but they do more renderings and visualization versus people who just do pure design. And it's very hard to do it as a young person. You get hired, you do internships and stuff like that, right? So you're not purely designing stuff. You're still doing cut monkey joke, joke, do we like it or not? But it's still cut stuff to some degree. And I feel like it's totally normal. At, like when I was at school, no one talked about that. Everyone talked about like how to be a star architect, how to be famous. It's important, but not everyone gonna get there. And it takes time, it takes, I don't know, it, it's very hard to get to that point. But it's super nice for everyone to understand where the limitations are. I know I'm not a technical person, even though it I do that as part of my job, but it's the least um, enjoyable part of my job. I do a lot of schematic designs. I do a lot of like uh, city planning, actual building design. I love that. But when it comes to details and stuff, I understand that it's not my strongest point, but also I'm not interested in that. I can do that, 
But if I have a choice, I choose not to do that. I'm lucky to have that choice. Not everyone has it, but it's what I'm saying is people should experiment with their work and they should see what works for them personally. Same with AI. AI is so different. It could be for visual stuff. It could be for building information, modeling and stuff like that. So uh, I don't think we're going to be replaced by AI, but we might be replaced with people who know how to use AI. So my advice would be for people to go and explore. A lot of stuff is free now, free because they're just starting that thing. And it's kind of nice to be one of the first one, one of the pioneers, right? To see how it develops because it's going to get more complicated over time. Now it's very simple. You just write a few words here and there. It's click a few stuff. It's very user friendly. I don't think it's going to, Stay that way. I think it's going to get more complicated, as with any software. So you're going to have more options, more stuff to do. So it's nice to see it being developed and to be one of the first one to see where it started. A question came for me. Um, I wonder how the educational system uh, will have to adapt and change so that they can tailor to the AI uh, tools that people can use. And we know the educational system, uh, it takes quite a while for them to update how they are doing things. And it's already now, like I've done software engineering at university and we're still doing like Java when I was around and uh, old languages, which we could have like used way newer tools and languages for programming. Um, I'm like curious, uh, what are your thoughts for both yourself and uh, Amir? Uh, how the educational system can adapt with using AI tools in their uh, curriculum. And how do you think uh, they will be? Will they adapt? And how would that be in the next few years? Yeah, it's a great question. As you mentioned, it might take a while for any school system to implement that. I feel like a lot of people are still afraid of any AI stuff because it's so uncertain to them and it's so new. A year ago, wasn't that popular as what we're seeing right now. But I don't think it's going to take that long. I remember being in my first year and I was seeing some people in master degree using laser cutters and 3D printers that wasn't accessible for me as the undergrad or the first year student. By the end of my second or third year, we already had that opportunity. Sure, it's my school hot updated that, but we not just had those laser cutters for the modeling and stuff or 3D printers, but we also had new courses established with that. So it was nice to see them having the budget for that and making our life more interesting, more innovative. So I haven't been to school in a while, but um, I see them exploring new stuff, see them using Rhino, Grasshopper, everywhere. I started using Grasshopper on my last, maybe last two years of school only. Yeah, it was part of my education system, but now people doing all of this crazy stuff from year one. It's kind of amazing. When I look in my first year studio project, I'm just laughing because it was, it was very <laughs> basic, very funny stuff to do. Now people have tutorials. It's all on YouTube. It's for free. Want to spend a little bit more money? You go to courses, you take like, special uh, training classes. 
But even if you don't have money as a student, there's so much to explore. So for now, I don't people I don't think people can use AI or I'm not aware aware if they can use AI at school, but there is a way to do that. You can still get inspiration from that. You can still explore stuff. And I hope education system will implement those changes in, in the next few years. And I think it's going to happen. I think that's definitely a great question, Mo. Thanks for asking this, because I think generally architecture education is surprisingly behind the, the, the trends and the kind of technologies and everything that goes around um goes you know in, in inside the real world of architecture practice and it's same with ai and it's not really surprising that i've heard that some universities have started to ban actually the use of ai in their um sort of curriculum and that's really a shame because i guess you know it's something that you could see from now that in maybe the next five years is going to be part of everything. It's not just going to be like one one or two tools developed by Midjourney and Stable Diffusion and Adobe, maybe. Even now, you're today you you probably seen Adobe's sort of uh, announcement that you know Photoshop has integrated that you know whole AI into it, so you can actually select the stuff in Photoshop and type prompts in Photoshop and change things in your Photoshop sort of file, which is just another level. Um, and that's not really surprising to see because these big companies like Adobe, Nvidia, or like all of these kind of big players in the market, they are not going to sit and, you know, just see everyone else just take off. They're going to, of course, implement AI in their all of their softwares and all of the tools that they're making available for designers. So uh, not only Adobe sort of creative suite, uh, which is gonna be um, equipped with AI very soon. And uh, even today we've seen Photoshop, you know, uh, integrating AI inside it, which is absolutely mind blowing. You will see other tools such as 3D tools, such as you know, all the tools that you use as an architect, as a designer, they will have AI integrated into it as well. So it's not something that you want to run away from it. You cannot run away from it because it's everywhere. It's going to be everywhere. And it's really funny to say that, you know, in university, you have to avoid using AI because AI is cheating. And that's a great um, sort of discussion to have, you know, what is, what is authenticity? Because people say authenticity is that you haven't, you haven't really used any other work or you haven't taken reference from any other artist or any, any, any sort of inspiration from anywhere. And, you know, you've just sat in your little room and you locked your door and then you sat and you know, thought about some creative ideas and that's, that's maybe authentic. But in my opinion, I'm going to ask yours as well. In my opinion, authenticity is not anything like that because as a human being, even your smallest thought uh, is definitely inspired by someone else's actions or sort of work or, you know, so many other things that goes around, around you. Um, 
And even with your artwork, you have probably consciously or unconsciously taken reference or inspiration from something that you've seen before, something that you see in nature, something that you've seen in the movie, but sometimes you're aware of it, sometimes you're not. So uh, AI is kind of similar. You, you've kind of trained the, the whole algorithm on a set of data that is, you know, driven by, uh, you know, a large amount of data from the, the works of artists, architects, designers, anyone on the internet. So if there was a human learning about all the sort of works that are in the internet and sort of make them sit in a room and design, they probably would take reference, would take inspiration from uh, other, other people's work. And it, you, you cannot actually make a line to, to say this is authentic. And if you're maybe taking inspiration from elsewhere, that's not going to be authentic. But I'm curious to, to hear your opinion, Alona. What, what do you think about authenticity in AI? And do you think the work that we do with AI is authentic or not? Um, I think a lot of people are going to hate me for that, but I'm going to say I think AI is more authentic than most people's work. I'll explain it in a way that you've been to architecture school, you've been to reviews, you've been to the final projects. I remember walking in and seeing 90% of stuff copied from Pinterest in other way or around. People are not unique. We like to think we are, but we're not. With AI, or at least majority, every time, of course, it's trained on the same data, it's limited, it could be biased. I understand the whole legal stuff about it. But let's say the legal stuff is a result. It's not for us to resolve. It's something for developers and software engineers to do. But um, AI cannot produce the same image twice. But people can. We can copy it unconsciously. We can look at something, forget about it, but it's somewhere in our back of our mind. And then we design something. It happened even to me. I was looking into like 100 images. I designed something. I was like, it's so unique. Haven't seen it before. After review or after something, I'm on Pinterest and I see 90% copy of what I've done. But it was done by someone before me. I probably saw it before or something like that. It's just, I think that's how our mind works. So I don't think AI has a problem with authenticity. I understand the whole topic about it, but it's still unique. I, I think it's going to develop even more. It's going to use more images. It's going to be trained even more. And I know you guys mentioned in your first uh, uh, podcast series about like the future of AI and possibility for some larger firms or clients to have those models built in, in their offices. So they're kind of like have a unique set of data. So I think it's going to go that way. And I think it's going to be more affordable for a lot of people to do that. And then I think it's more even more authentic. You put your own data into that and it's going to create your own style. It's going to create your own architecture, design, logos, or whatever you want. It's all the content that you need. Uh, I think it's going to be even more authentic. That way. But even now, with like public AI tools, I think it's pretty unique. It's just, it's just me. 
last podcast, as you said, we were talking about unique models for every single person uh, or every single firm, architectural firm, design firm. And you can have literally a Alona uh, model, plug it in. This is all of Alona styles and uh, themes and uh, the way she creates things using AI. And I, I see that happening in the really near future. And we're already having uh, training models and everything. Uh, there's some companies doing that already. Um, and what I call uh, what you just said is uh, unconscious inspiration regarding um, wanting to, you know, copy something, uh, but you're not. So our brain at night is processing millions and millions of different images and data, what we have consumed day to day. And we're watching a lot of commercials, uh, as you say, going on Pinterest, uh, different platforms. And it's impossible to truly have uh, authenticity without any inspiration. And I think that's sort of like coming to the outcome of all the things everyone said here and here and among them. That's, it comes from inspiration and it's connected with some other work that other person has been doing. Um, you might find someone 50 years ago, nearly 99% the same as you. So yeah, that's, that's what's uh, happening there. But yeah, legal side, um, I think it will hopefully get resolved as we go forward and create those kind of um, models that are individual. Um, but yeah, I mean, even now, Adobe is is Adobe's model is based on loyalty-free images, so their their stuff is completely like legal, whatever legal means, quote unquote. But yeah, I think that the problem with legality and sort of that side of things is not really a thing because like i remember people when nfts were like hyped and they were all discussing the the kind of thing about like whether nfts are gonna destroy the planet because of the electricity they use and everything but you know those are things that you resolve as you go you know further into that technology you develop that technology further and you make it much more efficient and you make it you know not dependent to electricity maybe in the in the near few in the in the near future uh in terms of like nfts uh, i'm discussing here but uh the the whole sort of new technology that kind of emerges um in a year uh for example like now the the kind of uh, the, the whole thing with AI takes to image is not really, uh, it's only been a year. I mean, uh, the, the kind of uh, extensive use of it, at least, because previously there used to be AI takes to image developed by OpenAI and, you know, people who developed ChatGPT and DALI, but it was much more uh, abstract and was much more low resolution and very you know um yeah very it wasn't used as as extensive as now but the fact that this technology has emerged in in a year and kind of is uh is kind of moving forward so rapidly i mean you've seen the sort of images from last year maybe june july from midjourney and compared to the version 5 you can see how much they've changed and like it's it's just crazy it's just mind-blowing and it kind of makes me think what's going to happen happen in the next maybe 10 years what do you think is going to happen in the next 10 years alona i think in the next 10 years we're going to love 
from listening from that from this podcast because it's going <laughs> to be everyday life from us to use AI. It's interesting that not, we're discussing that. But in 10 years, it would be like having a calculator in your phone, right? It's just like something is there, you, you don't even think about it. So I think in 10 years, we're not going to have this conversation at all. It's gonna, we're going to be just laughing at us having that Are we going to be present or are we going to be replaced by robots? <laughs> we're going to be present. I feel like any AI stuff in more technical um, way in construction or development, something like that, it still needs to be checked by human. Even in 10 years, I'm sure it's going to be maybe specifically trained people. Maybe it's a different type of careers or something like that. Not sure, but it's still going to be human attached to it. Even if it's like 99% designed by AI, it still should be checked by human being. Like construction, when it comes to construction specifically, maybe not visual stuff. But it's because it so, has so much responsibility that we cannot rely on any softwares, any stuff like that. So we would have to double check what it has done for us. So, And I think architecture or architects, designers, they, they're still going to be present, maybe doing something different. Maybe their day-to-day -day life is going to be different, probably less boring stuff, no repetitive tasks to do. Definitely AI is going to do that. But it's going to be more exciting to work as an architect. That's for sure. It's just, it's going to be just pure design or pure technical stuff. It's going to be less, um, less annoying job to do for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. I want to ask a final question, but Mo, do you have a final question? I want to compete with you in, in asking the final question. Yeah. Want to see which I, one is I more interesting for her to answer. Yeah. I'll yeah, I was just, just going to ask, uh, what would Alona uh, want to leave the, uh, maybe a statement or a comment, uh, what she wants to leave the audience with? That was my question. So. Yeah, okay. Then I think she can answer this after my last question, which is, if you were to, if you were to replace your mundane tasks with AI, what would be, let me ask you this, this question in another way. What would your ideal day-to-day -day sort of routine be as an architect if you were thinking about getting help from AI to replace your mundane tasks? Like what would you do in terms of, you know, actual work? Like what would you actually do in practice if you were to do, you know, the most exciting things as an architect? and let other things to be run by AI, what would those kind of things be? Ideally, I would imagine architects being some type of like project man managers where they just tell AI or use different tools to do certain stuff, but they don't do manual things anymore. Maybe even the design part, it's not us playing around sketching anymore. Maybe it's us playing with mid-journey and see where it goes. I don't know. Maybe it's a combination of two things. I don't think it's going to get to that point where it's just like pure AI stuff. Definitely not. I think it's going to be a collaboration between people and AI. But let's just imagine it's somewhere in the perfect world. I would imagine like myself being something similar to like a creative director where 
I'm directing either people that I work with or my colleagues or even just software that I use, I just say what I want or I make a command or I write a prompt or something like that where it results a lot of stuff and I'm just double checking that it works in a big picture. So I'm just making sure it all makes sense. If I need to do something manual here and there, sure, I have to double check stuff. But I would imagine it being more like a management type of job where we manage different software for us to do the job. Yeah, I think that's that completely makes sense to me as well because our job eventually as designers are directors, right? They're, our job is to direct the, the kind of direction of the project and to kind of manage the creativity of the project, isn't it? Is to come up with the most interesting ideas and to direct it in a way that can be built and manufactured and installed and sort of be delivered uh, in the best way possible. So the last question from me and Mo, um, as Mo also said, uh, if you want to leave any sort of statement, comments, and if you want to tell anyone who likes to start using AI, whether as an exploration tool or in their actual day-to-day projects, What's your kind of a practical advice to them where they can start and also where they can find you on social media or any anywhere else that you're present? If they want to ask you a question, can they ask you a question? Can they reach out by your email? So yeah, the stage is yours now. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I've been getting lots of messages people just asking how AI works. And I usually tell I don't have any courses, but I might write some kind of like a guide. I'm still in a process of that. But my best advice would be for anyone, just go there and try it. As I mentioned before, I was afraid of it as anyone who never worked with AI or just heard things from media. For me, it was something that was kind of scary because it was new. Like once I start using that or once I start exploring the potential of it, I was like, okay, it has its limitations. It's not that scary and it's kind of exciting. I can use it in this part of my job or maybe not. But once I'm familiar with that, I have more knowledge and I feel like it gives me more opportunity to even have a discussion if AI is going to take over or not. There's people speculating a lot because they only read news, never touched any AI tools at all. So I feel like it's free now. A lot of things are free now. A lot of startups are doing different stuff. I would recommend anyone just be the first people to try it. Even in five years, if it's still there, if it's still accessible to public, please go ahead and do that. Because I feel like with a lot of legal stuff and since it's like open AI and a lot of people can use it sometimes not to make the best work or the very legal stuff, I feel like it's not going to be available to lots of people in a, even, even like in a year or two. I feel like it's going to be more limited, maybe more expensive. That's what I think is going to happen because they would have to like... Um, limit how many people and who can use it to some degree. I feel like it's going to go that way. I hope not. I hope it's going to stay free, but we would have more guidelines and more limitation. We'll see. But um, I'm happy to answer any questions. Uh, I'm getting some messages time to time on my Instagram. 
they can go follow me. It's azd.ai. Uh, and um, yeah, thank you guys for having me. I, it was a great conversation. It was nice meeting you for the first time. And I'm excited that I was the first person. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Our pleasure. It was a great conversation. I learned so much. And I hope that we can have another conversation later on because I guess like we have so much to discuss and I'm very excited to hear your opinion on so many other things. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you again for coming to our first, uh, your first guest. And hopefully we'll invite you back soon as well, uh, if you have some time for us. Uh, but yeah, we'll add all your socials and everything uh, below the bio and uh, description of our uh, podcast. And uh, if we do an upload on YouTube as well. So yeah, you can check out all the details there as well. So yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm also excited to see the AI hub getting successful and growing. So I'm happy to be a part of it. Thank you so much. AI hub is a platform to, you know, give power to community of designers who use AI. And we are, we are happy uh, for, you know, everyone to, to grow in this sort of paradigm shift of AI uh, in, in, in the design industry. And we love to have these kind of conversations with uh, very amazing people like you that are doing so much in, in the world of creativity and architecture, fashion, and all of that. So I appreciate you uh, giving us your time today. And uh, we'll, as, you, as Mo said, we'll put all of your socials down in the description. And I encourage everyone to follow us on Spotify and YouTube and CastBox and Apple Podcasts, as many sort of platforms that you use for um, listening to your favorite podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you next one.